Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. everybody this is ff stompy here i am back on the show ethan is back on the show i think this might be our first our our first of the the debut the 2020 season 2020 we're is that right a month and a half in and we're ready to roll so i i i I obviously took my hiatus for a month ethan was sick and is running around like a chicken with his head cut off with his two successful pt clinics Two PT clinics all at one time. One man, two PT clinics. But I'm very, I'm very happy to be back. Um, I'm sure Ethan is as well. Uh, I, I got, I got way too invested in, in politics over my month off. So it's nice to be back to talking about <laughs> something that's, it, it's divisive. Let's be real on Twitter, but it's not as divisive, divisive as politics. I also apologize for my uh, voice here. I am still sick, week long sickness here. So my throat's a little bit raw, but um, we are here today. Uh, We're back to talk about uh, buys and sells for the 2020 um, NFL season for the fan for fantasy football. Um, Seems like a good time to talk about it as we're entering this off season, especially in dynasty where you're looking to buy those lower priced um, individuals, those guys that you think can bounce back after an off year or could take the next step if they are young going into their sophomore year or third year, Um, as well as sells guys that maybe are reaching their peak uh, and their age is getting up there or maybe they overperformed. So um, that's basically the premise here. You all know what to, what we're talking about. So we'll get right into it. Ethan, let's start with your first buy. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I think that with with buys and spell sells at this point in time is the best time in Dynasty, especially when you're buying and selling. Right up in the draft is a great time to sell those picks. Um, but if you're looking for these, people are in the mood to trade right now. I feel like in a lot of the Dynasty's leagues that I'm in. So one guy that I'm definitely trying to at least price out, see where he's at, and he's probably going to be a little bit more expensive than most of the guys on our list here. But that's Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I think that his first year in Cleveland was not what we had hoped. Um, but if you look at his stats, it really wasn't as bad of a year as what people were saying, you know, what the perception of it was. Um, I think his hopes were, I think we were a little bit too high on him um, coming into a brand new system uh, with a quarterback who is also getting a brand new system that is young. Um, he put up pretty much the same numbers that he did um, in in 2018 with the Giants, um, which most people considered kind of a floor season. 2018, he had 77 receptions, 
uh, broke a thousand yards, a thousand fifty-two yards, and six touchdowns last year. Um, he played a few more games, so I think that might be where some of this disappointment is coming from. But seventy-four receptions, again over a thousand yards, four touchdowns. This offense is going to improve. Uh, Baker Mayfield was off his game. Uh, basically from the start of the season. Uh, we can argue all day on if Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback or not good quarterback, but for OBJ's case, I don't think that his season should be a massive knock on him. Uh, he did have sports hernia surgery after the season. He admitted midway through the year that he was going to play through that. So he was playing hurt. He put up similar numbers, and I think, uh, again, he is the type of wide receiver that I think ages well in the league. Um, even though he is 27 now, I, I still think we have really good years, at least three good years of football from OBJ. His ADP right now is 25th overall, um, so you're getting him kind of right at the turn, the 2-3 turn, um, and, and I think that's pretty good value. He's wide receiver nine, and I think, honestly, you can pay – um, less than what you would normally pay for a guy of OBJ's caliber. So um, I'm buying OBJ or at least pricing him anywhere I can. Um, if I can get him for, for a decent value, um, I'm, I'm, I'm still pulling the trigger because I still think there's plenty of meat left on the bone for him uh, to improve in that Cleveland offense going into year two. I think the caveat here needs to be that we are using ADP somewhat or we're, we're using it as a crutch here to – evaluate the player's value but that may not necessarily be the case in your leagues um obj maybe some people are looking down on obj instead of him being a top five wide receiver which he should have been entering the season uh he may be a top 10 top 15 maybe somebody's down on him instead of having to buy him for two maybe three first you can buy him for a first and a second and i absolutely agree i think i listen i was down on baker uh, entering the season. Um, he obviously did not have a great season. Uh, however you want to look at it, he had, he had bad offensive line play. Um, obviously, obviously when the Cleveland Browns trade, there's uh, a, a star left tackle, a pro bowl left tackle and all pro left tackle to the New York giants. Uh, you're going to, your, your, your offensive line play is going to go down. He also made some bad decisions. So part of, part of his Baker's bad play is on him, but Freddie Kitchens also did did him did uh, Baker no favors this season. Should have it should have been Todd Monken that was calling the plays. It wasn't. It was Freddie Kitchens because he was so stubborn. Obviously, that got him fired. Now they have Steven, uh, Kevin Steven Kafanski. It's Kevin Stefanski there. And if we look and 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 I'll, I'll I, I kind of want to lump Baker Mayfield in here as a buy as well. I, I we don't have to talk to uh, talk about it overly much, but he was the. Uh, QB 26 and uh, points per game this, this season, which I mean, obviously very different than his rookie season. I don't, I don't think that is Baker um, as a quarterback. I don't think last season represents him as his ceiling or as, or, um, or what he can be in the NFL. Um, so I, I do expect positive, positive regression from him. If we look at Steven, God, I'm doing it again. Steven Kefanski, Kevin Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski and his, 
his coaching um, background, he was the quarterbacks coach for Case Keenum in 2017. Uh, He was a quarterbacks coach and then uh, interim offensive coordinator in 2018 for Kirk Cousins, in which Kirk Cousins had a top 10 season. And then last season um, in 2019, he was the offensive coordinator for Kirk Cousins, who again put up a top 10 uh, fantasy football season. So you, I, I definitely think there will be some positive regression. There will be better play calling. And I would expect that to trickle down to OBJ this season as the wide receiver one for the Browns. All right, moving on to my uh, first buy here. It's Ryan Tannehill. And obviously I'm doing this a little bit as a joke um, because this podcast has had some consternation when it came to Marcus Mariota versus Ryan Tannehill. Uh, James and I obviously were very much on the Tannehill train. Um, John and I, maybe Ethan, were you on the Mariota train? I think you might have been on the Mariota train. I was riding the line very smoothly, yeah. uh, but I was more of a Mariota guy, yes. And I was correct. I said that he would start the season starting. You did. And he did. And, so and then he got That was my stance. So, he got, uh, yes, he he got benched. I said uh, he was going to start. So I think he, I think Ryan Tannehill's a buy, and it, and it seems a little bit odd to say he's a buy, especially after the half of a season that he had, where he was the, um, the QB eleven in points per uh, game, uh, and and if you look at the the back half, he had less than seventeen points as a starter once, and he had eight point seven points, so he had. Um, multiple or from week seven on, he had one game under 10 points and one game under 17.6 fantasy points. So you would think that his value would actually be relatively high compared to what where uh, people should be taking him. But uh, he is currently going as at uh, 66, according to DLF's uh, super flex ADP as the QB 20. Um, and that's behind guys uh, like, uh, sorry, I'm trying to pull it up here. Um, behind guys like uh, Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton. He he. I mean, Cam Newton has should not be above him. Um, Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, and I understand Jameis Winston because of his fantasy value. Even though he may not be doing that, I if he keeps screwing up like he does, he may not be on the field. But having Ryan Tannehill out there, I get it. He has it's it's only a a small sample size, but from what he showed me, he was the, the Titans offense um, was able to use or, or use Tannehill's uh, skills and, and, and um, capitalize on those. And he became a good quarterback in that offense. And I think that continues into the future. He still, he has good pass catchers, Corey Davis. I know I, he's a good pass catcher. He just hasn't, put it all together. AJ Brown had a phenomenal season. Um, John Smith looks to be stepping in as that, t- that uh, tight end there behind uh, as Delaney Walker. I should be, should be out, but he's got good pass catchers. And if he continues to make the decisions he did this off, this off season, a QB one um, season or, or two over the next couple seasons is very much in the realm of possibility, which is why I think he should be going a lot earlier and, I, I think that I, I've taken him, him and Matt Stafford as my QB one two in a lot of super flex mocks and leagues this startup leagues this season. 
Yeah, I dig that. I'll be honest. Um, I think Tannehill is going to end up starting somewhere, um, most likely the Titans. And I just think that at that value for what he showed that he could do in that same offense this year, uh, it's just kind of a no-brainer to at least inquire on what it's going to cost to get him. Um, again, somebody might be trying to flip him quick for a second rounder, and you're just not going to get that kind of quarterback play um, at that price right now um, in a draft, in a rookie draft. So I, I definitely dig Tannehill as a buy here, um, even though I may not have been as high on him at the beginning of the year like everyone else from <laughs> from the Superflex show was. Um, so we're also going to add in James was supposed to join us, but with Ethan and I having weird schedules and being sick, he wasn't able to join us, but we're going to uh, talk about some of his buys and sells as well. Um, his first buy is Cam Newton. And I don't actually agree here. Um, I, I, I get it. Um, because he, like I, like I talked about, he's going one spot ahead of, um, Ryan Tannehill is a QB 19. Uh, he is, his ADP is 58 in super flex. And you're, you're, you're talking about a guy who it has like three QB one seasons under his belt. I, I mean, if he is healthy, uh, and comes back healthy, he has weapons around him. And, and this is assuming that he does, um, come back with the Panthers that he doesn't get cut or traded. Um, he has Christian McCaffrey, obviously, DJ Moore, Ian Thomas, Curtis Samuel. He has weapons around him. Um, and I think the big big caveat here is his legs. If if his lower body is healthy and he gets that 500-plus yards and five, six touchdowns, then you're talking about a QB1 going at QB19. My fear is, and, and we'll let Ethan talk about this more, is that with all of the beating that he's taken in his career – that his lower leg or his lower half is definitely not as healthy as it was pre in previous seasons. Uh, you had the foot injury last year. Uh, he's had ankle issues. And if that, if his legs are taken away, he is not the pocket passer to be able to make up for the loss of running with more volume in the passing game. Yeah. I mean, I actually don't hate Cam Newton as uh, someone to at least inquire about right now. Um, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily someone that I'm actively pursuing. Uh, I just think that with the play style that he has, um, at, he it will not age well. Uh, he's never been a prolific thrower. Um, so as he as that athleticism wanes with these injuries that he's had and he is he, he's got a lot of he takes a lot more big hits than he needs to and that is as you start accumulating these injuries taking those big hits you you can't play the same way and i don't think if you i think if you take out um his ability to play the way he's always played he's not going to be as productive of a quarterback now that being said if he finds a way to return i don't think he's going to produce below QB two numbers. So in that regard, I think if he returns to the Panthers, he's got, they're trying to build an offense there that is very quick. That doesn't require a lot of accuracy necessarily as much as just timing his pass as well. Um, he has plenty of safety outlets in that, in that offense with the Panthers. I actually think if he get, they get rid of him, which I don't, I don't see any reason. I don't see any way that they would, without having a succession plan in place when we won't know until the draft happens basically. But he, 
I could see him going to like a Chargers and succeeding in an offense like that with those with that core around him. Um, I think that he could have some kind of success at a, as a, a you know at a new team, but. As far as his injuries, they're not going to, it's not going to really improve. And will those injuries, especially this foot one, this most recent foot one, will it cause him to not be able to play his style of game? And will he be able to adjust? Because there's a lot of players that just cannot adjust once you take away their bread and butter of how they play. And I worry that Cam Newton is going to be one of those players. We would be remiss if we didn't uh, mention that Mike McCarthy is the new head coach in Carolina. And while his passing offenses have been fantastic, he also had Aaron Rodgers, one of the best QBs of all time, and one of the most efficient QBs of all time. Cam Newton is not that, is not um, the passer that Aaron Rodgers is. So it's hard to apply Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy's pass numbers to cam newton because it's a very different quarterback so keep that in mind as well all right ethan on to your second buy here yeah so my my second guy here um is is more of a long-term buy than an immediate buy um but that's daryl henderson so daryl henderson rams running back he did not really give you much value uh this season i think that this was a lesson that I had to learn myself as an analyst. Um, when when these rookies, even if they're good prospects, if they get put behind a guy who is essentially a bell cow stud, they will not produce as uh, rookie first round draft picks, usually in their first year. Um, we saw it with Daryl Henderson. We saw it. Um, Raquel Armstead was a guy that a lot of people were high on. He wasn't a first round pick, but people were high on him. He didn't produce anything behind Leonard Fournette. Uh, so we see this time and time again where it doesn't matter how good these guys are. If they get put behind somebody that is clearly better than them, they're not going to be able to produce in that first year. Um, I thought Daryl Henderson showed a lot in college, and he was a prospect that people were high on coming out of school. And so now he's looking at he's still behind Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley isn't going anywhere. There's rumors that he's going to get traded. He ain't getting traded. That contract is basically untradeable at this point. Uh, They can't really cut him uh, because it would just be like $8 million of dead money. The one guy that they could cut um, and save a little bit of money is actually Malcolm Brown. So he's only a $50,000 dead cap hit um, if they cut him uh, this offseason. And I I could see them doing that very simply. Um, And then you're looking at... Daryl Henderson being the primary handcuff for Todd Gurley. And Malcolm Brown showed there were some points where he had some valuable games in this season as that backup role. It's one more year of Todd Gurley, all the injury risk that he already carries um, with that with the knee condition. That's not going to get better. Arthritis doesn't get better. Uh, over time. It doesn't matter really what you do to it. It's going to progressively get worse. And they're going to be looking for ways to spell Todd Gurley because they have to keep him healthy. I mean, they this team will not win if they don't keep Todd Gurley healthy. So you have to have Todd Gurley and you have to keep him healthy. You're going to have to give his backup some time. And I think Daryl Henderson is one more year into getting some more of that time. And by years two and three, 
you might be looking at a guy that you paid pennies for this year that is now a valuable asset for your dynasty team. So um, as this rookie fever starts getting picked up, I'm not opposed to sending out offers for a third, uh, fourth rounder. And if you can get Daryl Henderson back, you're probably going to have a positive asset because if something happens to Todd Gurley, they get rid of Malcolm Brown. You're looking at what I consider a very high-end running back back uh, handcuff at this point. So, um, again, because his value has dipped so much, it, it just seems like a no-brainer to at least inquire um, on what the price is. I think that I think in most leagues, third rounder is probably going to get him for you, and I think that's a pretty fair price to pay in a draft that doesn't have a lot of third and fourth round rookie talent um, to go out and get. I yeah, I don't. I do not disagree with this one. Um, funnily enough, a another NFC West team actually cut their albatross running back and are actually paying more towards the <laughs> as dead cap than they would have keeping um, him on the roster. That is David Johnson and the Arizona Cardinals. So we we say that the Rams aren't going to cut Todd Gurley, but. I mean, you never know. We, we, we've already seen it this offseason. I don't think they will either, but definitely he Henderson seems to be the one that will take over when Gurley, if Gurley goes down and when he needs to be spelled, or at least he should. So definitely at RB39 and, and, and ADP of 135, uh, you can definitely get him for cheap, and it's not really a waste of a pick if you – send a third rounder over and he doesn't do much in his second season real quick. This isn't really, did they actually announce that they cut David Johnson or was that just the rumor? Cause I thought that contract was pretty hard to get out of. I mean, I know it's a ton of dead money if they cut him, but I didn't see an official report. I heard rumors that they were thinking about cutting him. Well, I saw it was rumors. So yeah, I so mean, they're considering it. I mean, it's not off the table and, and it's also not off the table that Todd Gurley could get traded. I think that's highly unlikely. Again, these running back contracts are so big, it would be very hard to trade um, uh, these contracts. They're just not. They're just not good contracts. Him and David Johnson. Okay, but so it, it says like impossible. It says Cardinals likely to release David Johnson. That was the the news a week ago. So, um, w- we'll see what happens. So that the would, point is I, the point you were trying to make, which I agree with, is that anything can happen. It's, yeah, it's not impossible backs. that. Gurley doesn't get cut. I, it's highly unlikely, but not impossible. All right, my uh, second buy is Paris Campbell. Uh, we didn't see much of him last season. He was uh, obviously very injured uh, most of the season um, in an offense that kind of floundered under Jacoby Brissett. But Paris Campbell um, came out, had a, a breakout season in his senior season at Ohio State, kind of made Dwayne Haskins – the prospect that he was and we kind of see what he looks like without Paris Campbell, not necessarily, um, not necessarily Dwayne Haskins. Uh, that's not his ceiling either, but, um, he didn't look great. Uh, so yeah, in college, he had 90 receptions for over a thousand yards, 12 touchdowns. Um, didn't, like I said, didn't do much this season, but, uh, Devin Funches only signed a one-year contract. He's probably gone, um, and Paris Campbell serves as a very dynamic threat along with T.Y. Hilton. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. They can do reverses with him. He's got that speed. And 
I, I'm really on a kick for uh, second-year wide receivers uh, this offseason. Um, our friend Peter Howard uh, has done some digging into um, breakouts for wide receivers in the NFL, and usually – or the highest – number of breakouts or the highest percentage of breakouts occur in a wide receiver second season, not, not the third season, which has kind of been the, um, the underlying legend or myth um, for a long time now, not, not that they don't break out in their third season, a, a significant number of breakouts occur in the third season, but the second season actually has the highest percentage Paris Campbell being injured um, and entering a second season in a Frank Reich offense I expect him to take a major step forward. And here's the thing. I, it's going to be tough for him to produce like Cortland Sutton or DJ Chark or um, DJ Moore or uh, a- Anthony Miller. It's going to be tough for him to live up to that. But what we're looking at here is Paris Campbell. His ADP is 132. He's wide receiver 50. So basically he is a wide receiver five at this point. And, if you can buy, I mean, you can probably buy him again for like a three, a third or fourth round pick. And you're not, you're taking swings at that point. So why not take a swing at a guy who went in the second round draft capital happens to be a good indicator of whether a um, wide receiver is going to break or any player is going to break out in the NFL. Um, he went in the second round. He looks like he can be the wide receiver too for the Colts this season and probably uh, a top, Four. I mean, it depends on these tight ends, but he'll be one of the four uh, best pass catchers on the field. Again, he's dynamic. Uh, he can run the short field. He's very quick. Um, and I just think that a lot of people forget about Paris Campbell and where he went. He went very early in the stra- in, in last year's draft. And I think that the uh, Colts will use him. And, and you're not spending much in terms of draft capital in startups for him or in terms of um, rookie picks either. Yeah, I love this. Um, I actually just drafted Paris Campbell um, in a dynasty startup. Uh, this dude just he didn't from an injury perspective. He never had a chance as a rookie. Um, he had a hamstring strain that cost him most of his training camp. So we started off on the wrong foot. Um, then he goes and has a hernia, a sports hernia. He had to have surgery for that. Then he had to rush back. He only missed two games with the surgery. Um, and then he had a broken hand again, not really much you can do. These are kind of freak injuries. They don't happen. It's not like he has outside of the hamstring strain. None of these things are like things that are predisposing him to future injury. And so I think we're labeling him, um, as this injury prone type of player when the history doesn't show that these are injuries that are prone to happen again. Um, so he's getting kind of mislabeled, um, at this point, obviously the broken foot into this season, but the thing I love about Paris Campbell, and this is really the only point I'm going to make, is that right now the biggest buzz wide receivers from this class, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, what do people love about them? Yards after the catch and that they have some rushing upside on jet sweeps and things like that with Debo. They were using – they want to use Paris Campbell in that exact same way. He's built to do that. He's quick. He's, he's a solid frame. I think he's at like 205, 210, um, six foot. So he's built like Debo, um, a little bit lighter. But still, you know, he had a game where he had three carries. Um, you know, he had five catches for 53 yards, three carries for 27. And so they want to use him on some of these ways that everyone is clamoring right now. Oh, we got to get Debo Samuel because they use him in the run game. They're going to try to use Paris Campbell in a very similar way. We're talking about, oh, all these teams are going to try to find their Debo Samuel this year. 
the Colts already have that guy on the roster, and I expect them to use him that way. Um, hopefully with a healthy preseason, we're going to see that next year. And for the price you're paying, this is like this, this is just no-brainer to me. I, I will probably have a ton of pairs <coughs> um, heading into heading into 2020 just because I think it's he's going to be super cheap. And why not why not try to buy up on that upside that everyone saw last year? Uh, yeah, um, well, obviously I agree because I'm on the one that wrote it. Uh, good. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll mention James is here. Uh, his second buy is Marlon Mack, and I, I hate this one too. I really wish James was here so he and I could fight. <laughs> we hate um, it. But yeah, Marlon Mack at ADP 75. Again, I see it uh, because of his ADP. And I mean, when you're a dynasty player, despite how much you dislike or like a a – uh, player, you need to look at values and Marlon Mack going at ADP, an ADP of 75. Um, and let me look up his uh, positional ADP. He is the RB 20 going off the board. Um, after the season he just had, it's not, it's hard to not like Marlon Mack th- this season or, or, or at least at that value ADP value. The reason I don't like him is because I feel that the Colts are ready or ripe, rife to um, pick a a running back this offseason or or in the in the draft um, that can do everything, uh, and maybe they don't because Frank Reich comes from comes from a the Doug Peterson. Um, coaching tree which Doug Peterson obviously uses running back by committee and they have three running backs right now that they can all substitute in Marlon Max more of the the bruiser runner um Jordan Wilkins is kind of the backup and then Naheem Hines is the pass catcher there and and maybe they don't pick a running back um but I just feel like they need that that player they need their it's hard to live up to Christian McCaffrey Alvin Kamara but there are guys in this this draft, uh, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, that ca- can immediately make an impact for that team. And while Marlon Mack, like I said, had a had a great season, um, I just he's not the pass catcher, and and that's what scares me. Uh, he he was the in points per game. I'm looking for where's Marlon Mack. He's the RB25 in points per game this season, which not bad, especially because of injury and the like. He had over 1,000 yards rushing, eight touchdowns, only 17 targets in 14 games, though. And that's my issue is, I mean, there are guys in this ADP uh, right now that I probably like behind him. I mean, Philip Lindsay's going at RB25. I like him above Marlon, Marlon Mack. I like Kenyon Drake above Marlon Mack. If – if caveat, if uh, David Johnson isn't there, even like guys like James Connor, I like above Marlon Mack. Um, so I just I, maybe it's my bias against Marlon Mack itself, but I don't necessarily agree with James on this one. Yeah, I don't really have much to add to that. I'm not a huge Marlon Mack guy, so um, I wish James was here to kind of defend himself. I feel bad if we both just knock on him, but. Um, pretty much everything Stompy just said is is exactly kind of how I feel. Um, I just feel like Mac is 
a fine runner, but he's not an elite runner. And if you're not an elite runner, you're, you can always be replaced. And so, um, with the questions that they have at quarterback, I just don't, I just don't feel like Marlon Mack is a guy that I'm necessarily like clamoring to buy. Now, if we go through the draft and they don't address the position really at all, then yeah, absolutely go after Marlon Mack because that tells me that they're invested in him at least not just for 2020, but you know, they're, they're at least giving him another year um, behind a very good offensive line. It's not like he's a bad player. It's just that I just don't know if I trust him to be a, an elite player. And so I have, I struggle with, I really truly struggle with buying running backs, even if they're that are just okay, that I don't see like massive upside with Um, just because the position just runs its course very quickly and they just cycle these guys in so quickly. Um, And with all these bad running back contracts, we're not going to see very many um, great running back. You know, we're not going to see those. Adrian Peterson's of the world where they just have like four or five great contracts in a row where they're just give the bell cow the whole time. Teams are just going to start funneling these guys. So um, I worry about Marlon Mack being a guy that in two years we're like, well, hopefully Marlon Mack comes back. And I just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see it with him. Right. Uh, All right. Moving on and and to our final buys here. And I really like this third one from you, uh, from you, Ethan. Yeah, so my third buy this year uh, is, uh, again, I'm, I'm sticking with my what I know, which is guys coming off an of injury. And one guy that I was really impressed with uh, was Preston Williams. Preston Williams, uh, his current ADP is at 116. He's wide receiver 44 off the board. Uh, he's young. He's 22 years old. And everyone's talking about Devontae Parker as being this guy that just uh, exploded onto the scene. Um, this year he finally broke out. We didn't break out until Preston Williams tore his ACL. Preston Williams was the guy that was breaking out with Fitz magic. He was the guy that was actually flashing in that offense. Um, and it wasn't until he got hurt that we really saw Devonte Parker take over that role. And so to me, you're looking at a young wide receiver coming off an ACL injury, which while not, uh, insignificant by any stretch is a lot less, um, daunting than it was even 10 or 15 years ago. Um, they've gotten pretty good at returning these guys. Um, so you're getting an injury discount. Uh, plus he's on a team that could possibly upgrade the quarterback position. Even if they don't, they still have Fitz magic this year. Um, and what I say, don't, I still think they're going to, um, but if they draft like a Tua and they sit him for a year, you're still getting Fitz magic for a year. Um, so best case scenario is he comes back and he's perfectly healthy. Um, and he is right back to where he, where he was showing glimpses of becoming this year. Worst case scenario is you still have a great asset moving forward. Um, he has a, an okay year coming off the ACL, and then you have a, a, a basically a 23-year-old wide receiver next year um, that's value will increase naturally because he'll have a better quarterback. Uh, that team around him is going to get better, and he's going to be a year healthier. So uh, I, I dig it. I'm, I'm, I'm after some Preston Williams right now. I, I very much am too. Another uh, second-year wide receiver, as I talked about with Paris Campbell, uh, over 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns in his final season at Colorado State. So he put up huge numbers uh, in his breakout season. Um, and like like Ethan said, he he had good numbers in his rookie season before uh, he went down. He was a, a wide receiver 46 on the season in terms of point fantasy points per game. But put put up some very good numbers and some very good games 
um, last season with a floundering Dolphins offense. Let's be realistic here. And and like Ethan mentioned, I would expect them to retain Fitzpatrick, um, who's going to start chucking the ball a little bit, uh, retain Fitzpatrick this season if they they pick somebody like Tua. Um, Tua will probably sit the year because of his hip injury. Fitzpatrick chucking the ball to Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Very good prospects, um, like Ethan said. All right, going on to my uh, final buy is Justin Jackson. Um, and I, I really liked Justin Jackson coming out of college. He put up big numbers basically every season. Um at Northwestern and he caught the ball basically every season at Northwestern. So he's an all around talent. Um, and we've seen it. We've seen flashes from him. Um, in, in, uh, with the chargers when, when Melvin Gordon is out. Um, and, and if I look at the splits with Gore, with and without Gordon, um, and obviously Justin Jackson is going to take on a bigger role without Gordon, but, uh, he put up, almost 30 more yards per game. Um, he put up uh, over, um, I apologize, uh, three more, th- over three more targets per game. Uh, one more reception. Sorry, sorry. Two more targets per game. One more reception per game. Uh, he went from the RB 86 when he isn't, when, when Gordon is available and um, the RB 32 when Gordon is out and that's in 13 versus seven games. And we saw last season, um, Justin Jackson in those first three games actually put up extremely efficient numbers. Um, even with, um, even, even with Austin Eckler there, um, and with a, a bigger, um, more, more volume. So, Melvin Gordon likely is gone. I mean, highly likely is gone. I don't think they're going to re-sign Melvin Gordon, especially with the consternation that this past offseason. Austin Eckler obviously is still there. He's a restricted free agent. I think they will re-sign him. Um, but Justin Jackson, that means Justin Jackson has an expanded role. And again, he's an RB3. He was an RB3 when Gordon isn't playing. So while I don't think Austin Eckler is, while I don't think Justin Jackson is going to see a huge uptick, you could you might get you might break into the top twenty-four running backs because I don't think Eckler can take the the volume that he did, especially when um, Melvin Gordon was out. And I think Justin Jackson is the benefit of uh, gets the benefit of that, and will get ten to fifteen touches per game if him and Austin Eckler are both there. Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely feel like Justin Jackson, uh, Austin Eckler, they don't, the, the team has shown you, they don't want to use him how we all want him to use, be used, which is as a bell cow. So I love Jackson there. Um, James's guy last by here real quick was just Boston Scott. He's got an ADP of 172. Um, we were both kind of wondering where this one came from. I think a little bit, I, I kind of get it. Um, I wasn't, I love it. I I kind of get it. I mean, I think that Scott showed um I mean, his last four basically the last four games he had 25 targets. So 
I know we want to crown Miles Sanders as his bell cow in this backfield, but it's Doug he, Peterson. It's Doug Peterson. He's not. I, I don't we, people we can <laughs> every goddamn year. It's Doug P. Well, once he gets a, a quote unquote bell cow back, but Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, and Boston Scott were all very involved. And even Jay Ajay, even Jay Ajahi got touches after coming back from his ACL tear. So you can't trust Doug Peterson not to use more than two or more than one back. I mean, he's going to do it. And Boston Scott, I mean, Jordan Howard's contract is up. Boston Scott proved he can he can do it. Uh, it, it like you said, in those last four games, he had six, seven, six, six targets. He caught six, seven, six in four of those. And he also had um, a, a, a handful of carries in every game. And if he's going to take on like that Theo Riddick type role in that offense, I mean, you have to pick him. And like you said, he was uh, RB or I, he, he was 172 um, in ADP. He is, as I'm looking, he's RB, he's RB 52. He's going as an RB five right now. You can get RB three numbers if he is truly that second back in that backfield. If Howard isn't resigned, so I, I really do like this. So there, James, feel feel um, vindicated that I agreed with you there. Fifty percent of the time, none of us agree with you. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll go into our cells here quickly. Um, we'll we'll try and get through these quickly. Your first one here, Ethan. Yeah, so my first sell is is actually pains my heart a little bit because I actually love this guy, but um, I think I'm to the point now where it, it's time to sell. Um, it's not looking ideal, and that's Chris Carson. Chris Carson, as much as I love the story of Chris Carson, seventh-round running back uh, who fought and clawed his way into a starting role, the team loves him, everybody loves this guy, um, he gets injured, and then it's like, oh, well, everyone throws him under the bus. Chris Carson's uh, he, he's not going to be the guy. And then they draft Rashad Penny in the first round, and it's, oh, Chris Carson's not going to be the guy. And then he still comes out and is the guy again. Um, I, I love the story of Chris Carson, but it, it's time that we start looking at some of these red flags, and there are a lot of them. Like I said, seventh round running back. Uh, we talk about draft capital all the time. Here's the thing. He's not costing them anything. Of course they love him. Um, it's just like if you if you owned a business and you got to hire someone that did, did an amazing job and you're paying them pennies. Of course you're going to love that employee. Um, same thing I think is happening with Chris Carson. Is he productive? Absolutely. He had two great seasons, um, but he's coming off a fractured hip. And we, we don't know. There's a ton of question marks right now. Um, his backfield mate, Rashad Penny, also dealing with an ACL injury. It's looking very likely like this team is going to draft and dip into a running back class that I am super high on. Even a guy like Michael Warren, who isn't necessarily like he's not going to be a high draft pick, but he's going to be able to come in and take touches pretty closely. They're going to give somebody an opportunity to supplant both Carson and Penny. And that makes me extremely nervous. Penny at least has an investment in him as a first rounder. Chris Carson doesn't have that. He's got an injury history. He's got fumbling issues. It's just one of those things where I think you, you say, Hey, look, you package it as look, they love this guy. He's had two great seasons, hip injury. Don't worry about it. Um, even though Ethan told you to worry about it, don't worry about it. Take this guy off my hands. I'll give late first, late first. Early second, 
early second, two seconds. That's what I'm trying to sell him for right now in the leagues that I have him. If I can get two seconds out of him or a second next year um, and a player that I like, I'm probably taking it. And so Chris Carson is the first first guy I'm selling. It, it pains me because I do love the guy, but he's just got way too many red flags for me right now. And running backs get recycled, and they just get recycled. So it's it's time to move on, I think, from Chris Carson, which, again, uh, I will eat my words if if he comes out and is incredibly successful, but I, I just don't, I don't see. There's too many red flags for me right now. I'd rather sell where he is. I think John is going to be hurting. That hurts me to hear. It hurt. I'm sure John is probably screaming as he's listening to this. So sorry, John. Um, I, I I don't really have anything else to add to that. I mean, I think he's okay in terms of value, but I definitely get with, with injuries and all the entire situation why you would be selling. My first sell here is Melvin Gordon. He's going at ADP 47, RB 13, which honestly not bad value. But the issue here is Melvin Gordon has a ton of mileage on him. Even with the injuries, he's got a lot of carries over the past or over his first five seasons. He is 26, uh, so relatively young. He will be 27 in the season. Um, so he's getting up there in age for a running back and he's moving on from the chargers. Where does he land? Is he going to get paid? Is he going to be in a, uh, a running back by committee situation? I don't know. And that's why I'm selling Melvin Gordon here. I, I just, he had it very, very good with the chargers. I just don't know where it's going to go from here. And I think that while his, he's not at peak value, I think his peak value was, after the 2018 season when he when he put up or maybe even 2017 season when he put up huge numbers um i do think that you can still get like a like a first round pick in a second rounder and if you get a first round pick this in in 2020 you can replace melvin gordon with like like i three three guys i mentioned cam Akers, deandre swift jonathan taylor and they're younger and they will last another three years three four five years so i think you're just i look to try and replace uh, Melvin Gordon, who's up there in age for running backs, with a younger um, guy with l- less mileage on his legs. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love it. Um, James's first sell here is Carson Wentz. Um, he's going as 29th overall in ADP. I don't love it. Again, it's hard when you got a guy that uh, can't defend himself. Um, I, I I don't hate Wentz's value right now. I'm going to guess that he was going to ask me about the injury history and the aging injuries and quarterbacks just don't work exactly the same way um, as other positions. These guys just have longer careers, so they have a lot longer leash. The Eagles for what Wentz had this year, I thought I thought he did pretty darn good with it so i, I definitely agree his, I, his lowest, I don't see how his situation gets any worse his lowest fantasy out point was 14 fantasy points this season he had well he didn't hit above 30 at any point he had several outings of over 20 fantasy points especially at the end of the season i don't love this he it, he's the qb7 i think it's about right um you can make an argument for guys like josh allen uh, behind him, Aaron Rodgers behind him and being in front of him. But I don't – I mean, I, I, he's still young. He still has a, a an elite year under his belt in, in his first four. So I don't think he's hit his ceiling yet. And with all of the 
injuries and issues that they had this uh, this season with the pass catchers, I expect that to get better for him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just don't see how any way that his value decreases next year, and so that makes him a hard sell for me. Um, one guy that I, I I am struggling again. This is this is finding sells right now for me was really difficult. You, you I and like I are going to fight on this one. I I I'm preparing for a fight, but my second guy here, and it has nothing to do with his ability to play football. It's more of again these question marks. It's Matthew Stafford, man, and I love Matthew Stafford. I've told everyone that I know Matthew Stafford has been my my one of my quarterbacks and super flex basically every year that he's played. Uh, I love this dude. I think he's a great person. Um, I think he's a really good football player. But my only question is how much is going to be too much for this guy? Um, again, another injury kind of derails a really good season. He was having a great season. And that doesn't get talked enough about enough. Um, he just flies under the radar. I think he had like five or six straight years of 4,000 plus passing yards. And people just don't seem to give him any credit. Um, now we've got some rumors that maybe they're trying to trade him. His wife has a lot of health issues. Um, I know that she had some pretty significant health issues uh, with brain tumors and such. So um, he's made almost $200 million. Um, I, I worry not necessarily that I expect this to happen, but I worry about an Andrew Luck situation where these injuries keep piling up. He's got a lot of, he wants to start a family. He's a smart dude. Could this be the next guy that we see that says, you know what? I've made tons of money playing football. I don't have to keep doing this to my body. I want to enjoy my kids. I want to enjoy my family. It's time for me to hang it up. Could that be the case? I don't know. I still think that he wants to play football and that he wants to continue doing this. But the more we see kind of these ideas that maybe the Lions want to move on with him, which is stupid. If they traded him, that would be a stupid move. Um, the more I start to question, should I be looking to sell this guy for at peak value or close to peak value um, this offseason? I don't I don't know. Um, but it's, like I said, it's been hard to, to find a good sell, but Stafford is a guy that if I'm going to move on from a guy, um, or at least explore selling, he's one that I am exploring selling this off season and I'm prepared to get verbally eviscerated. Yeah, I'm so. not going to, I'm not going to verbally eviscerate his ADP. He, he's a QB 16 off the board. He's going around in, in the fifties. Uh, overall, I have to look real quick, but um, according to DLF ADP, he's going as, at at fifty one, and this is in super flex, mind you. The dude and I and I get it, like injury shortened, whatever. He was the QB three in points per game last season. Everybody thought he was done after that twenty eighteen season, but last year he came back and he was like, well, same old Stafford, maybe even better. Um, might have the best weapons he's had ever in Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, carry on Johnson, TJ Hawkinson probably takes a step forward next year. Danny Amendola is your art or your wide receiver three. I get it with the injuries and stuff, but the, the guy wanted to play through a back injury. Like he wanted to play. Um, and so that tells me he's going to continue to play here. And I really think that the lions have a shot at competing a little bit here. If they can get that defense under control. Because that offense, I think, is fine. It's the defense that's hurting them. And Stafford, I'm picking Stafford up everywhere. I think he's a buy, honestly, because of the fact that he has – he's a perennial QB1 and 
is generally in the top 10 QBs year in, year out, except for like, like I said, 2018 when he was dealing with back injury. So now that he actually took time off, he's healing. I think he's back to old form and he could put up a top five season easily next season. I don't have a good rebuttal to this. I, I think it's two sides, of, two sides of the coin. There are question marks on from my end. Um, I don't hate his value. Yep. Again, it's hard to find guys that you're really like, man, I got to get this dude off my team. Because to me, the, the art of the sell is that you have to, you have to sell a guy that has some value because you are expecting some type of decline. Um, if you just try to sell the dudes that everybody knows you're trying to sell, you're not going to get any, it's not going to be a really savvy move because you're not going to get value back for it. Um, so, uh, again, I, I won't argue much with it. I, I love Matthew Stafford. So if, if you want to keep him, by all means, I, I think what this tells me is that he's a hold. If you have Matthew Stafford, you hold him. I agree with that. Um, unless you get like a crazy offer from somebody that's trying to buy him actively. Like this is a perfect example of 50-50, I'd say hold. And I think we can both agree on that. I've been stacking Stafford and Tannehill this offseason, so I love that stack. Um, we're running out of time here, uh, so we'll move through these rather – or try and move through uh, these last few rather quickly. My second sell is Keenan Allen. His ADP is 39. Um, he is the wide receiver 15 off the board. Um, it's not bad value for who Keenan Allen is. The issue is – and I've gotten a lot of pushback on Twitter about this because I said something about it. He's in a weird situation where who's his quarterback? I mean, he's losing Phillip Rivers. He's had Phillip Rivers his entire career. We don't know who he is with Phillip Rivers. It's kind of an A-B without Ben Roethlisberger situation, without the um, insanity. So that's a, of concern there is how is this offense going to move forward with in terms of quarterback? Right now it's Tyrod Taylor. I don't think they're going to throw as much with Tyrod Taylor uh, – as they did with Philip Rivers. Um, and the second issue is while he is very cheap in terms of his relative value in term, uh, on his contract, I believe he is only making 13 million, something like that next season. He can be cut for $11 million savings. And I believe, I personally believe that the chargers and I, I'm not the Spanoses. I don't know what they think. So who knows what Dean Spanos thinks? He may disagree, but I think they need to go into a rebuild here. They have Joey Bosa's contract coming up. They have uh, Melvin Ingram's contract coming up. So, and, and now they're without a QB and they're not going to pay a QB. I guarantee it. So I think they're in a rebuild and that means that there's no reason to keep Keenan Allen on this roster personally. I get it in terms of value, yes. In terms of putting butts in the seats, yes. Even though they can't even do that now, it would be – I think it would be um, a good move for them to either trade Keenan Allen or to cut Keenan Allen to save that money. Um, so and, and he, he's age 28, so he's not a young guy anymore. Um, I'm not going to say anything about his injuries because he is not injury prone. So, I mean, those are my main reasons is his quarterback situation and his contract situation. And he's still going relatively high. I'd rather have Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Lockett, um, who are all going behind him. I would rather have those guys above Keenan Allen right now. 
Yeah, and I think this is again, this is uh we're projecting a little bit here with these with these cells because it's it's hard to sell a guy. I mean, it's hard to sell a guy like Keenan Allen because you want that production on your team, but you have to look ahead at these situations. You know, there were people that said there's no way I'm selling Juju Smith Schuster before last year. And if you had sold, you'd made a ton of you made a huge profit because the quarterback situation wasn't as clear. And of course, one injury away, most of these guys are one major injury away from being not as valuable as they were before it doesn't even have to be them that's injured so um, I can't argue much on Keenan Allen um, my last guy here is carry on Johnson I stuck with with the Lions Lions fans I apologize it's not that I hate your team I actually don't even really hate carry on Johnson's value he's going to 57 overall uh, RB 16 I think that's right around where um, I would take him my question is, and this has been my concern with Carryon Johnson since he came into the league. So this is not a new take. I have had this take since before he even got drafted is, can the dude stay healthy to be a Belka back? He couldn't do it in college. He had a long injury history coming into the league. And now we've seen it twice, two years in a row now where he's ended, he's, he's ended up on the IR at some point in the season. That is a concern. You cannot ignore it. Some dudes are just not designed to be bell cow running backs. And it is not a knock on carry on Johnson's ability to play football. But if you're expecting him or drafting him at RB 16, hoping, Oh my gosh, I hope his value increases. Cause yeah, I hope he becomes a, a three down running back. He hasn't shown that he can stay healthy enough to do that. And that is a huge red flag. It's been a red flag since he came out of college. It's why I tell everyone that I know you need to go pick up. The, the college injury history report that I do because you're going to find guys like carry on Johnson that yes, the value is there, but, and this is a huge, but can they stay healthy and can you ever project them? I'd have the same questions with Sony Michelle. Can you ever project them to be bell cow running backs, even though everyone's saying, well, they can do it. They have the skill set. If they can't stay healthy, it doesn't matter if they have the skill set or not because they're not going to be on the field. So that's why Kerry Johnson. There were also was, concerns too because he yeah. wasn't playing a hundred. He wasn't playing like a bell cow. Sorry, he wasn't getting the snaps like a bell cow back would last season. Yeah, and and, and Patricia comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, which use uses whatever running back is effective. James White gets a ton of snaps. Rex Burkhead gets a ton of snaps. So you probably you're probably seeing the same situation where he's probably going to be sharing the backfield. With somebody. someone next year. And, and what if and it if becomes a good running back from right. this class? And if he can't stay healthy, like like Ethan said, I agree with Ethan here that I don't hate his value. I mean, at RB16, I think it's good, I think that's good. because his ceiling in terms of his production can be great. But we don't know if he's going to get top 12 touches, and we don't know if he's going to be on the field to put up top, top 12 numbers. All right, my final one here. Uh, is Zach Ertz. Um, he is going as the tight end five at ADP of 64 in terms of super flex. Zach Ertz, I would say top three, four tight end right now. He's getting up there in age. Age is not really as big of a factor at tight end, but his the, the big issue here is his contract situation. Now, Zach Ertz, I believe, has a, a buyout option here where his dead cap is $5 million less than his actual cap hit. And not to mention that he has Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard behind him. Uh, this last season, Ertz finished as the tight end uh, four 
Goddard finishes a tight end 13. And if you actually look at compare their last few games, Dallas Goddard actually put up better numbers over the their past four games, including week 17 and their wild card than Zach Ertz did. And really from about week seven on, and I, I, I would have to verify this, but from week seven on, I think that Goddard actually put up better numbers than Ertz did. Dallas Goddard is as, as talented as Ertz is. He's a better, he's a bigger uh, red zone threat. And I mean, the Eagles can save money here. And for some reason, um, Jeff Lowry, Lowry always figures out how to do magic with money. And I think part of that might be that they cut Zach Ertz because they have the replacement and because they will save money. Now, I think he's a sell anyway, even if they keep him, because you're probably looking at relatively he he's at peak value. I mean, his peak value is probably after last season, but he's still pretty high value and you can sell him for guys like uh, Mike Gusecki and something or, or TJ Hawkinson and something or Noah Fant and something. I would rather have those guys, young guys moving forward than I would Zach Ertz. And uh, not to mention that really, unless it's, unless it's George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, there's no, I mean, the, the gap from, from three to like 15 in terms of tight ends is not huge. And I would rather take a shot on a young guy than I would keeping Zach Ertz and him for some reason being cut and going to a different team and not having near the impact somebody like Jimmy Graham um, or him being replaced by Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I love that. I don't really have anything else to say. Um, so we are at about an hour here. Um, so we will wrap it up there. Uh, thanks for listening. Welcome back, Ethan. Welcome back. Welcome Stumpy. back. Stumpy. I'm going to talk, I'm yeah. gonna talk about myself in third person. Uh, don't yeah. forgive, forget to, uh, rate, give us a rating and review. Uh, it helps us, uh, figure out what type of content you guys want. Um, also don't forget to subscribe to DLF for that family of podcasts, a lot of wonderful podcasts out there. Um, and I guess thanks for listening. We'll, uh, talk to you soon. Oh yeah. I forgot. Stay sexy and super flexy. Bye everybody.